someday here soon. If you would, take your Bibles, open them to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. There we go. You have no power? Power's on. Power's on. Everything's green here, Brother Daniel. Are we good? Wiring. Me and technology, I love it. There we go. Mark chapter 15, and we'll be reading a passage towards the end of the chapter here shortly. And uh, we'll talk to you just a minute, and then uh, we'll get into the main part of the message, which always, of course, is the opening and understanding of the Word of God. But I want you to understand a word which we're going to encounter. And uh, understanding that word, you'll understand the message a lot better and be a help to you today. Um, the word, uh, the met or the uh, title for today's message is the in- the inventory was wrong. <laughs> the inventory was wrong. How many of you either do work or have worked in a, a a particular business where you have to take inventory? I mean, do that. Isn't that a precious time of the year? Figuring that out. And uh, has anybody ever known an inventory to be wrong? Who could ever think of such a thing as that? Inventory is what you think you have, what it appears you have, but it does not always match what you actually have. In fact, I think people who are used to working with inventory situations, sometimes when you get a call about certain things or certain materials or maybe a supervisor asks you, your answer becomes, well, we are supposed to have. Because you know that while your inventory, now always on computer, used to be on paper when I was doing it, and uh, that paper's telling you, or that computer's telling you, may not actually match what's out in the warehouse or what you can have access to. During the last little over four years of time when I was finishing my undergraduate and graduate degree in college, I was, uh, I, I, I managed a place called Ray's Roofing Wholesale Company. And uh, we supplied roofing material for roofers around the Chicagoland area. We dealt in the uh, shingle roof, and uh, we dealt in uh, build-up flat roofing and dealing with different things. And also a couple of the earlier types of rubberized roofing, the APP and the, the SBS, which was a mop-down and a torch-down roofing. But anyway, I was that to the side. But I uh, managed, managed that company as I worked my way through Bible college and was responsible for my crews and, and such, and then also loading wa- walk-in people and then um, freight companies, uh, connecting with them that came in and took transport to further distances, and then also our own 40-foot stake bed delivery trucks that delivered around the Northwest Indiana, uh, Chicagoland area. And uh, so we would, we would have inventory. And uh, we had uh, three different uh, warehouses and, and yard and such like that. But in that, I became acquainted with inventory. I found out that you could have on your inventory sheet that you had in inventory, in other words, what you're supposed to have sitting there, you're supposed to have 45 square of Cameo Coral uh, shingles there, one of the colors that we dealt with up in that area. And so you were confident of that, and someone would call in, maybe a Gus Alec or one of our, our accounts we had, and Marshall Roofing was on my accounts, and I did sales, and, and they'd call in and they'd say, hey, we need 
you know, 12 square Cameo Coral. Can you deliver that tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock? Give you the address. You'd set it up. Get the logistics together. You're going to send it. And then you would go out. This is what I did early on. I learned better. And go out and find that whoever was marking things when they unloaded the, the uh, roofing from our supply companies or when they were taking inventory was what in the warehouse, what was supposed to be 45 squares of Cameo Coral shingles, which was in the appropriate place in the warehouse for that, was actually 45 square of Weatherwood, which does not look like Cameo Coral, and which uh, either Gus or Marshall were not going to be happy to get the next day. And all of a sudden you find out you didn't have the right thing. So there was an inventory taking. You looked at the numbers. Inventorying is numbering. And you looked at the number on, on the surface and on the sheet of paper. Now, of course, everything's done, you know, electronically and that sort of thing. Um, I was laughing at the, the gals that work over at Scramblers, and they, they have those electronic doodads they're carrying around now. And I've asked all the servers, I said, you like those? And no, they hate them. And they said it takes longer, it's harder to enter, enter things in, and then they told me, I'm sure they said it with some affection, they said, you're a nightmare, uh, because nothing I order is standard. And um, they had they literally, on the old register, had a Pastor Manning button, because I don't order things that are... And uh, things that used to be, like, you know, five iterations of the, of the uh, menu ago were on there, and I just go and order. And, uh, and so uh, they were with it, and I told them, I said, well, there is an advantage to it. And they said, what's that, Pastor? I said, well, if you get lost, if that has a GPS, you can find your way back to the cash register. And so that'll work. But in the old day when we had the paper and that stuff made out of trees and you write on it for our younger folks. And on that paper, we, we would have it. And uh, on that paper, there would seem to be a certain quantity and a certain quality of things there. Uh, maybe it said that we had uh, uh, 850 rolls of 30-pound felt in stock, but actually we didn't. We had 415 pound and 450 of 30 pounds. So it could be the quality or the quantity. The inventory could be wrong. You say, well, that's wonderful. I'm glad I came to church today to hear about inventory at the roofing company. Well, no, that just kind of lets you think about this thing, about inventory, about do things match what they seem to be on the surface or what they seem to be on paper. And uh, what I'm talking to you about this morning is the fact of when the inventory was wrong. Look now at Mark chapter 15, and I'm going to show you there was a time when the unseen, unbelieving, and unfeeling world took a very wrong inventory of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, I didn't just come up with that word. I... I was studying a Bible word and just kept finding out its definition is inventory, taking an accounting of. And I'm like, oh my soul, that's amazing. Let's look together at a few verses here. We're picking up in the middle when Christ was being crucified. Verse 27 of Mark chapter uh, 15, rather. It says, And with him they crucify two thieves, the one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, listen to this, he was numbered with the transgressors. That word numbered is the word inventory. It means the same thing. It's not, I'm not saying they used the wrong word here. I'm saying that's a, that's a synonym for it. That's what it means. And so they were not, he was numbered with the transgressors. They that passed by, in other words, what they did, they adopted or adapted rather their behavior to what they thought the inventory was. 
They thought he was a religious leader who was conning people, maybe. Who wasn't who he really seemed to be. And that affected their actions and reactions towards him. It's important that the inventory get right. I mentioned to you real life scenarios where I would set up a truck for delivery and found out we couldn't deliver. Then a roofer, especially if it was a prevailing wage job in Chicago, had crews waiting for stuff that could not come to him. That does not make for happy customers. Um, Far more important than all that is the fact that these folks, like many in our day and time, took a wrong inventory of who Jesus is. And the Bible says they passed by, verse 29, railed on him. They spoke hard and harsh things towards him, wagging their heads. And this, like so many things that are described in the Bible, such as a scorner and a fool, there are actual physical characteristics that come to their behavior. Rolling in the eyes, that look like that, wagging the head, those all indicate a wrong spirit without exception. And they're revealed as such in the Bible. And so, he says here, uh, they, they passed by, railed on him, wagging their heads, and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. By the way, interesting on this, if you've chosen to be a part of the reading program, when you're reading today, you're going to find out exactly what that's referring back to. That's in the reading of today in, in uh, John chapter 2. It says, Thou that, save, uh, that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. And of course, that was not why he went to the cross. And Jesus didn't come to this world to save himself, for he was not in need of saving in any manner. And, uh, and so he did not come down with that. The unseen and unfeeling world numbered Jesus with the transgressors. Um, they looked at Jesus and the apparent scattering and end of His disciples, those who followed Him. Think about it. Not only was Christ on the cross, but everybody who was following Him had taken off that night. Then, word got around. Peter, who had been positively identified as a follower, had actually cursed and denied the Lord. And so they had that to talk about. So as far as it appeared on paper, as far as the inventory that's taken by people just looking at the surface situation, it seemed that this religious leader had come to a brutal and bloody end. <clears throat> and it seemed that everybody who had put in with him and had, if we can say the word, cast their lots with him, that seems odd in this scenario, but have had put their self with him, they're scattered, possibly even going to be suffering some persecution, and they looked at that, and with their thinking and understanding, they, they, they said, he's done. It's over. By the way, that's not my idea of what they thought. Keep your place in Mark, and if you're able to quickly, look back in Isaiah chapter 53. If you're able to go back there quickly. If not, just keep your place in Mark and listen carefully as I read it, because I'll not be taking a lot of time. Isaiah 53 <clears throat> Prophecy about Christ written over seven and a half centuries before the events that it outlined. Let that sink in. That prophecy told what the people's intention and what their actions were. 
talked about wrong inventory. Look in uh, Isaiah 53, verse 4, if you're there. And, and let's begin in verse 3. It says, He is, what's the word used? Despised. That means people thought, thought little or nothing or wrongly of Him. And rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. Wouldn't be associated with Him. Well, Peter really did that, didn't he? He was despised and we esteemed Him not. We didn't count Him of value. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him. This is what we counted Him like. This was our inventory of Him. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. It's wrong inventory. That's what they saw. Watch it. But, He was wounded for our transgressions. They took inventory and thought He was there because of what He did. But He was there because of what we've done. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. And what happened, the inventory they took was wrong. Look at Christ. People of today, and the way the language goes today, they want to talk about great religions and great religious leaders. And well, they are, except Christ. And the distinguishing difference is the fact that that one came up from the grave. And as they look at the religious leaders, as they look at the different things, they want to lump it all together, but it isn't. They take wrong inventory of who Christ is. Don't realize as it is revealed in the Scripture of truth that He is God in the flesh come to this world. Other times, uh, they looked at Him and didn't understand who He was. At first, His own, his own family did not believe on Him part of them and those of His area. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Is this not the son of the carpenter? Where hath He such power and such mighty works? You know, they didn't get it. We understand that. And uh, the inventory was wrong. I wonder if we do a mental inventory of who Christ is in our particular lives and who we really think He is, what's our inventory of Christ? I wonder sometimes in the, in the uh, life of believers, what's our inventory of Christ? Is see someone who sits placidly alongside and waits while we get all the other important things in life out of the way and then give Him whatever's left over? Or is He Lord of Lords and King of Kings? Our inventory of Christ needs to be according to reality. Um, when we had the roofing company, I learned, I mentioned earlier, early days, I would say, okay, we can send you those, going back to those shingles, those cameo core. What I learned to do was say, hold on, let me write down what you need. Let me check the warehouse and let you know if I can do that. That's what I learned. See? And then I could come back and say, you need to sell your customer a different color. We don't have that. You can't get it by tomorrow. Uh, or whatever the deal was. Now here's the thing about it. There's a lot of inventory we've been exposed to. Some of you, you know, you've watched things on history channels. I'm not berating you over that. I'm not chastising you at all over it. You've, you've read things in devotionals. That There's some good devotionals. You've read things in some religious books, religious magazines. You've heard things even 
from pulpits where fellows read back and said, I want to tell you, I heard one time. Okay, wonderful. But the, uh, and some of them may be true things. But you need to go to check the actual inventory and see what the Scripture says about Christ. Jesus told the Jews this. He looked at them. He said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they, the Scriptures, are they which testify of me. On the road to Emmaus, when Christ revealed Himself to those two disciples, they didn't know who He was. Their eyes were holding. They couldn't understand Him. He began at Moses and all the prophets. And when you see that little phrase in the Bible, began at Moses, it's referring to the first five books of the Bible that Moses was used to pin down. And it says, began at Moses and all the prophets and expounded unto them, brought out forth, expounded unto them all things concerning himself. And he took that whole testament and said, this is what, here's the fulfillment. Here's what happened. Don't ever have a wrong inventory about Jesus. There's a lot of things you can get messed up on in life and you think you have it and you didn't have it. My wife was uh, cooking something yesterday and I wasn't going to be, I, I, I kind of inverted my day so I wasn't going to be getting home till late last night. Got home a little after midnight last night and I knew I wasn't going to be home till late. I was here at the church uh, after, uh, after uh, uh, enjoyed, a, enjoyed a football game and then, uh, and then came to the church and, and did some work. But the, uh, um, I, was, uh, I was, knew my, I was going to be too late that uh, wonderful source of all goods that you need every day, day or night the Dollar General store, right? Um, it was going to be closed. I knew it was going to be late, but my wife sent me a text and said, I, I thought I had this in the cabinet, and I didn't. And uh, I'm like, is it something I'm going to be eating or somebody else? And she goes, somebody else. I'm like, I don't think I'll make it for that. I, but uh, anyway, the, uh, um, but she thought she had it, and she takes inventory. Have you ever done that? Been wrong. Looked at it. Maybe you thought somebody was something. You took inventory of a person and you had a certain impression of them. You weren't setting out to judge them. You just had a certain impression of them. And then you find out it's a lot different than what you thought. All those things happen. But we've got to make sure our inventory of Christ is not wrong, but according to Scripture. You know, it's interesting. What attracted me this then, there's one other place where this phrasing is used. And it's also very telling. And this idea of being numbered, look in Acts chapter 1 and or listen carefully to it. And there's another place where this word numbered is used. This is actually what led me into the study was when I read the word numbered there in Mark, it triggered the other verse that had that same word in it. And as I began to study it, I said, oh my goodness, that's, that's pretty amazing truth in there. Look in uh, Acts 1 and verse 15, it says, In those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, Christ has been crucified, risen. He's ascended back to heaven. Stood and said the number of names together was about 120. Men and brethren. So here Peter's making this statement. This Scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. So there had been the prophecy that there would be one who would betray the Savior. And so he's referring back to that. He says this had to happen. Verse 17, referring to Judas Iscariot, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. And of course at that point then they're looking for who will replace him and such. But here you have Judas who was numbered 
when you took the inventory of him with the disciples. He ministered alongside the disciples. They trusted him in the treasury of that position. And yet, Christ had revealed the true inventory of him in earlier time, but it was not understood or heeded. Of course, at that time, Christ did not point out by name who it was. And Jesus had said, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He knew the inventory. I was just reading, I think it was this morning's reading, said uh, that uh, Christ did not have need that even testify him to him of what was in man, for he knew what was in man. The Lord never needed anybody to explain to him what we are. <laughs> and so he had it, you know. But here Judas was involved, seemingly upright, zealous, and the whole time, at the, towards the end of that, uh, when he would be shown for what he was, he was going to those who were the avowed enemies of Jesus Christ who had set themselves to destroy Christ and he was conspiring. I'm using a Bible word. Conspiracy. It's a Bible word. He conspired with them for money to betray Jesus Christ at a time when they could come get Christ and the crowds would not be put in an uproar against him. When people met Judas, their inventory of him would have been wrong. Matthew 7 says something about this. You may turn there if you want, but I will read this to you. Matthew chapter 7. And this is a haunting verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23, read this way. Jesus is speaking. He says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. You see what their emphasis is, don't you? It's their works, what they've done, what the works of their, their self. And some of them are seemingly spiritual works. And, I, and then I, excuse me, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And here Christ points out that there will be many who say, well, he did wonderful things. I taught a class. I witnessed. I tithed. I gave. I did whatever. And he said, I never knew you. I taught the main group of our teens today in Sunday school. And I told them, as I was talking to him about ministering to the Lord and all the good things the Lord can do with him. In that class, there's over 10% of the population of this church. And I was trying to impress on them from the Word of God how their spirit, their direction, their attitude can affect the whole church. If you take 10% of the population, anything affects it. And as I talked to him along these lines, I said, if, if you're something more than just Baptist kids, so I said in class then. I said, because if all you are are Baptist kids and you don't have Christ in you, you're lost. You will go to hell. You're without life. Because you have no more than religion. And Christ said, many are going to say, I did this, I did that. 
my position as a New Testament pastor isn't going to matter that much. I say, Lord, Lord, except for this, I have a responsibility to have faithfully executed. What matters completely is that I belong to Him. That I am His, and He is mine, and that's it. Now, it's going to be important on that day. I'm not being judged as to whether or not I'm going to heaven or not. That was taken care of on the cross at Calvary. Thank God when I believed on Christ, that was settled. But I will give account for if I execute what I gave me to do with my life, well or not. And I understand that. It's called a day of, it's a day of judgment in the sense of a day of auditing and taking reckoning with it. But isn't it amazing? Man, looking at Judas, so much so when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, and he handed the sop, the bread that he'd sought, and he handed it to Judas. And Judas took off away from everybody else. The Bible says they thought that Jesus asked him to go do something for him. He, he, he was in such good standing in their eyes. He so sold himself as the real deal that he didn't even suspect it. He just, there he went. Very amazing stuff. Um, 1 John 2.19, it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they no doubt would have continued with us. But they went out from us that it may be manifest that they were not of us. In other words, not everyone that professes Christ possesses Christ. And so I'm not, my purpose is not to make you doubt your salvation. My purpose is not to tell you whether or not you are saved. My purpose is to point out the reality that you, my friend, and I, we both must have something more than just a form of religion. And so that something is Jesus Christ. Then a powerful teaching on this is Matthew 13. Look at this one. Matthew 13. How's the inventory? Well, everybody thinks. You know, it's funny. Sometimes when people really need to come to Christ and for a long time they've been known for what they do or their involvement, it gets harder and harder for them to actually yield to Christ because of pride and embarrassment. That's, that's tragic. Matthew 13, look in verse 24. I bring you a, a sober message and warning today. That's what I'm supposed to do. But look at this parable. In verse 24, it says, Another parable put he forth unto them. This is Jesus. Saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. So you got a farmer. He puts out good seed. You do know seeds have different cleanliness ratings and part of the price can be according to what's in them or how much guarantee there is. There's not a weed mix and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure you all run into that with your grass seed and stuff, different, a lot of different quality. And, uh, and so they, he, he sowed the seed and uh, out there. Verse 25, But while men slept, for some of you all, it could be church time on Sunday morning. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the weed. I'll tell you a little more about those tares, what that is in a moment, but it's a weed. It's a noxious weed. And some forms of the Belial Darnell, which is what the name is for it, can actually be poisonous for consumption at different times of its life. And so uh, I, I, I'll tell you a little more about that. And it says... <clears throat> While men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. They didn't know when he came. They didn't know when he left. And the devil does that type of work. He doesn't make a big fanfare all the time. He just gets seed sown that's going to show up later. 
But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So by the time it gets to the point where it's harvest time, all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have a problem in this field. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. It created quite a problem to have those in the field. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? In other words, you want us to get the tares out of there first? And he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. He said, you're going to cause more damage in that field than what we're going to have if you go out and do that. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, he said, the reapers is the one going to figure that one out, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn, which is where he would take them to keep them. Now, it's interesting, when I did a study on tares to be prepared for vacation Bible school last year when we did sowing and reaping down on the farm, I found out these tares are amazing things because when they come up in the early stages and during the growth stages, they appear like wheat. They show themselves, there's different subspecies of it, but they universally show themselves towards harvest time and when the harvest is starting to ripen up. Part of what is different about them is they stand up higher than the wheat. Because the grain of the tear is not as heavy as the actual wheat. Shall I say it's not as substantial? And whereas wheat, you've seen wheat grain in fields, will cause the stalk to bend, the wheat shaft to bend when it starts getting towards harvest. The tear, having the head lighter, will not bend as readily. So, some of the seemingly most upstanding pieces of that field were actually troubling. Second of all, it changes color. You know what wheat looks like when it's ripe? What do we sing about? The golden, right? The tares turn very degrees of dark from very black to slightly black, but not the golden color. So they're not light like the others. If they are mixed in when the harvest goes on and they are consumed, some of them are quite toxic. Here's a simple thought I had for this. We had did inventory of Judas. People thought he was... All right, good guy. But their inventory was wrong because it was, he wasn't all right. The Bible warned us through the words of Christ that people can say, look what I did. Look how, look how good I was at everything and I never missed. And, I, and, and while one of the key giveaways is I, I, I. That Christ could look at say, I never knew you. You profess me, but I don't own you. Then, in this, with the wheat, these thoughts. The tares, they were among the wheat, but they weren't wheat. You do understand that. Being among the wheat doesn't make you wheat. 
It's amazing in times over the years when I've talked to somebody about their soul and I'll be speaking to them and I'll say, what's your trust for heaven? Do you, uh, what conditions your soul in? Do you know you're saved? And their answer is, oh yes, I was brought up in church. They'll talk to me about the time of confirmation. They'll talk to me about time of baptism. They'll talk to me about how long they've been in church. They'll talk to me about their family heritage that went back. They'll talk to me about relatives that were so faithful. They'll talk to me about how much Bible they know. All these things. Anybody who does quite a bit of witnessing hears them over and over and over again. It's just amazing how often you hear. But they, the situation is that they don't say and indicate that well, my trust is in Christ. There's a lot of different ways people have been taught, so someone's <laughs> language may not be exactly the same, but they will say, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I, that, that kind of language is the language of a saved person. And it doesn't show up. So they were among wheat, but they were not wheat. They looked like wheat. They not only were among wheat, if you'd had a sunflower among the wheat, it would have been among wheat, but it would have been very obvious it wasn't wheat. You ever seen the fields around here sometimes where they you end up with the uh, what they call the volunteer corn or whatever coming up and you've got all these soybeans and then you've got corn stalks through it? How many of you have seen fields like that? You know they're raising succotash, don't you? That's what that is. It's a mix of the two. But it's uh, you've got the corn and the beans there together. I don't think you're really kind of rough at harvest time. Um, but the thing of it is that they looked like wheat, but they were not wheat. They were among wheat and they looked like wheat. And then you're ready for this. In the early stages, remember that wheat had already come up and had already grown and all that. Those workers were out there gathering out the obvious weeds, the thistles, thorns, things like that. They, they already gathered all that out. But they did not know the tares were there until it was right before harvest time. Because they don't show themselves till then. Now watch. They were among wheat. They didn't look like that. They weren't wheat. They looked like wheat, but they weren't wheat. And here's the, here's the thing. Even the workers among the wheat thought they were wheat. But they weren't wheat. They were tares. And because they were tares, in the harvest, they were going to be separated How's the inventory? Wrong inventory is a serious thing. When I managed that roofing company, and then an aggravated account, and then customers upset, and that wasn't fun. Eternal consequence, man. But if our inventory about Christ is not right, that's of eternal significance. And if our inventory about our relationship with God is not right. That's of eternal circumstance. How's the inventory? You think about to yourself, how's the inventory? Is your inventory of Christ and who He actually is and what His claims are to your life? Is it based on the Bible or how you think it ought to be? Or what you want to do with your life? Or your own appetites? Or what you've heard from some secular thing. Is it based on the Word of God? You know, it's amazing. I found people who either God is dealing with active in their soul or they are already the people of God, they appreciate straight talk and they appreciate clear teaching of the Bible universally. Because they don't want to be, be double talk. 
Let's do our inventory according to the Word of God. Let me pray with you. I'm done. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for the encouragement, sobriety, and seriousness of your word. Lord, may we take inventory according to truth, not according to our perception. Bless, please, I pray this invitation. Would you keep your heads bowed for just a moment? I don't want you to answer me out loud. But answer for yourself to the Lord. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior come to this world? Do you trust Him as such for yourself? For your answer, either of those is no or I don't know, but yet within your heart there's a stirring to want to know. When we give invitation, just a moment. Would you allow someone to take Scripture and show you clearly how you can know that your inventory of Christ is correct according to the Bible? Do you belong to Him? Are you more than just a person attending a Baptist church? Do you know the Savior? Father, bless serious thought with clarity of conviction and help us to be pleased, Lord, what you want it to be for yourself. Amen. Shall we stand together? If there's something God's touched your heart about you want to bring before Him this morning, that would be appropriate. We're going to have a song invitation that allows you opportunity to respond to the Word that's been taught and preached. If you, uh, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, there's an old song in the hymn book that says, well, why not now? Why not now? There's no benefit in waiting. Would you know Him today? A song invitation. Would you come this morning? There's something you need to bring before the Lord or you want to talk to somebody about your salvation. Do you know Christ? God knows the inventory of our lives. Where are you in that inventory?